the five blokes. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I'm going to apologize for my voice ahead of time. Uh, but we are back with another episode of The Five Blokes. I'm here with Nathan and Seth. And myself, Nima, who's going to be the MC, and <clears throat> hopefully not talk that much. Um, kind of to, to give a little bit of a recap. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about today, but we'll start off like we normally do with the Prem. And so some good games this weekend. Uh, just to really give a, a quick overview. So let's see, Watford, excuse me, Watford lost. 3-0 to Norwich City. Norwich kind of finding their groove. Everton lost 1-0 to Aston Villa. Uh, Aston Villa kind of picking up some steam. Uh, Wolves 2-1 over Brentford. Newcastle 1-0 over Leeds. Good one for Newcastle. Man United got lucky like they always do. Got a 1-0 win over West Ham. Man City actually tied Southampton 1-1, which is good for Liverpool. Liverpool won 3-1 against Crystal Palace. Arsenal somehow managed to tie Burnley 0-0, shocker. Um, and then Leicester City 1-1 with Brighton. And finally, Chelsea beat Tottenham 2-0. <clears throat> so, Nathan, let's go to you first. Any uh, big takeaways? Feel free to talk about Chelsea, other teams. What surprised you? What didn't? Uh, I, I want to I say the City game surprised me, but they actually tied them in the first leg of the season as well. So this... Seems to be that Tottenham is their, uh, not Tot- Southampton is their uh, kryptonite. <laughs> Maybe, hopefully, that's the case. Um, but other than that, all the other scorelines kind of made sense. Norwich beating Watford was also surprising. Um, that yeah. that was yeah, and I uh, should note there was a, there was a red card in that game. Yeah, I'm not sure how early or late it was. I yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't watch. Seventy eighth minute. So actually, you're right. Uh, I I want to know. Uh, did either of you see Sargent's first goal? I did go and watch it after. Yeah, you that was kind of sick, this. honestly. I, I'm not gonna goal. lie. What a what a good way to score, honestly. His first goal, and obviously he's American, so represent. But yeah, agreed. That was kind of a shocker. <clears throat> yeah. So that those those would be my, the surprising ones. Other than that, all the other score lines kind of worked out. Today, I actually saw how glaringly obvious um, Conte's appeal to the Tottenham board for reinforcements um is they they need they need a lot to change that Tottenham team to compete with anything but they still have two games in hand they still could make top four considering how Conte plays you know I mean he started a game today with six six defenders so (laughs) who knows what's gonna happen as the season goes on um I'm very proud of Chelsea's performance last week I did slam German managers for being too stubborn and not changing the formation but Conte um Tuco changed his formation, so maybe we're moving towards, you know, the right direction here. But other than that, all the other scorelines are really good. Um, shout out to Sargent's goal. Shout out to ZH's goal. Um, those are probably the two best goals of the Yeah, that was, that was a weekend. phenomenal goal also. Yeah. I think uh, ZH's goal was oh, it's beautiful. Um Sergeant's goal was cool, but it was like Sergeant's goal wasn't uh, it wasn't talent or skill, in my opinion. I think he, he was just, pretty lucky. He just yeah. threw his foot at it, which like, yeah, all the credit to him. Like he you know, it takes you got to be flexible. You got to have the right reactions, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, he kind of threw his foot at it, whereas he like, took his time, lined it up and like, well, oh, it's beautiful. It is insane how awesome that goal is. Um, Probably the only things he will do in the Chelsea jersey, actually. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, other than that, I, I the, the scores were whatever. Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea are better than Tottenham, so yeah, they should have won. Liverpool, same thing. Uh, City still have a chokehold on everything that they they need, so it's fine. Arsenal should have beaten Burnley, they didn't. Uh, uh, Lacazette had two chances that I saw, that one of which was an open net that he decided to use the outside of his foot instead of the inside of his left foot. Um, uh, Smith Rowe, I think, had three chances that were tough, um, and Nick Pope did have some some good saves, and then somebody else, I think Odegaard at least Odegaard and Saka each had like a chance here and there too. So Arsenal should have won, they didn't. And that's why Arsenal's not good enough right now. 
uh, and it, it is what it is. But uh, it's still a good run of form at the end of the day for Arsenal. So I'm not like that disappointed. We, we need to win that game, but I'm not that disappointed. So yeah, Nathan, what, did I say, what did I say last time, Nathan? What did I say? Seth should have taken the opportunity to brag when he had it. <laughs> he didn't. And they lost to Liverpool 2-0. They got kicked out of the cup. And then they tied Burnley. And now we're back to where we started. And Chelsea is winning. Liverpool's winning. Man United, it's like a flip-flop. Um, yeah. So uh, hopefully next week. time Seth wins his lesson and, and brags a little bit. We don't know how often I mean, it's, those, those it's been, opportunities it's, it's are going to come. It's been one week. It's been one week. It's been one week, so. and you lost to Liverpool and got kicked out of the cup, and you tied Burnley. I mean, losing to Liverpool is not a bad thing. It's just that's expected. The Burnley one is the only one that's a disappointment. Is a disappointment in the past week. Yeah, so. You're talking a little bit of smack, Nathan. Do you remember he was he was like, "Oh, we're playing Liverpool. I guess we'll see what'll happen." He was he was getting a little he was feeling himself a little bit. To be, I mean, to, to be, be fair, fair, we did tie you in the first leg. The first with, game with 10, with 10 players, yeah. So, And then uh, <laughs> you beat us in the second game, and one of the goals was late while we were attacking, trying to recover the goals that we, that but, we needed to get. So, I mean, bad argument is not a good argument, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's my point of, is... It's, it's a part no, of the game. <laughs> well, no, no, no. My, my point is, like... Uh, uh, my point, my point in that is, it, like, if you're down by one and you need to score, then push forward. And then if you end up losing by two or three or whatever it is because of that, then like, that's okay. Like, is, like yeah. you were trying to win, like, and and so oh, um, it was a, it was a winner. You're out game. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Arsenal's uh, they're they're on their way. Arsenal has some juicy transfer rumors uh, for for really good center mids out there. So hopefully we pick some of those up. And uh, and and also probably it looks like get rid of Aubameyang and others. So Arsenal's only on the up and up still. Well, and you know what? That's that's a really good point. There are some some really good rumors out there for for there a variety of teams. Arsenal being one of them. Newcastle, you know, zoning in on a lot of players, uh, and then you know even guys like Aston Villa, uh, you know, trying to pick up Suarez, which would be you know have Coutinho and Suarez back with Gerrard would be. I don't know. I think I may have to become like an Aston Villa fan if that happens for, for at least like, you know, a little bit, um, you know, let's, Nate, let's go back to you. What are some, some, I would say plausible and likely transfers that you're fearful of or that you're excited for? It doesn't have to even be Chelsea, but you know, what are you looking forward to? What are you, what are you, you know, kind of in anguish of for, for yeah, next there's a lot of rumors about, um, about Tielemans. At, at Arsenal, and, and that that is scary. I don't like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want him with Partey in the middle, and whichever choice they choose to put at number ten, like that. Whatever three midfield configuration with Partey and and Tillemans just gives me a headache because Tillemans at eight, Partey at six, and then if you decide to play Odegaard at ten, or even if you want to play Smith Rowe at ten, like that three is not fair to. That looks like an actual soccer team. Right? <laughs> I don't like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm so used to Arsenal just not being looking like a pickup team. I'm, I'm, I, I want that forever. Um, Getting red cards. <laughs> so, so that's what I'm, I'm, I'm pretty upset about. Um, there's actually started being a lot of rumors about Harland to Man City. So. <laughs> you know. I heard Man United actually. Yeah, both of them are linked. I to heard. Him. I heard Holland is going to all of the Big Ten clubs. <laughs> he's not. He's, he's, he's not coming to Chelsea hottest, for sure. Because he's the hottest striker <laughs> on the planet right now. So until players like him, man, unless a move gets made, nothing's happening. Everybody, everybody's interested, and it, yeah, Chelsea's interested too. You can say what you want. Chelsea but are interested. We cannot. We cannot. Afford They're it. all interested. They're all interested. Doesn't matter. Yeah, interested is is one word, but you know, on Holland, really quick stuff. Which club do you think matches his Arsenal? Like, no, let's let's be realistic. Like, which club do you think matches his his playing style? If Holland goes to Arsenal, I will actually stop watching soccer. <laughs> I mean, at that point, <laughs> at that point, that would be just funny. I think, like. Oh, Did you guys, uh, as, as a side note, whenever uh, um, Tom Holland told Mbappe he should go to Tottenham and he started laughing? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Don't disrespect me like that. Poor guy, poor guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and, and, you know, looking at it realistically, you know, Seth's being a goofball, so we're going to Nate. Nate, what do you think? Uh, do you think oh, he man. matches the, the United system? 
See, funny enough, I think United, it looks like he's either playing a 4-2-2-2 or because of what he has now, and he wants to play a 4-2-3-1. If he's playing a 4-2-3-1 with Holland, that's scary. Um, so he fits there perfectly. I don't think Holland actually would work in the city system because of how they play and because of how much like Kane works more there because Kane drops deep. Like mm-hmm. I was watching today's game and I was watching Kane and I was like, Kane is just like a way, 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 way better version of Firmino. Like he drops really deep, picks up the ball. He's like involved in like the build up play a lot. Um, so he would fit in city more than Holland would. Holland, the city doesn't make sense, but Holland, the United, that's, that's an interesting proposition because if you get him over there and you play, I don't know who your other CDM would be, but even if you played two holdings, but Pogba is kind of a little bit up front and then you play Fernandez as center attack in mid and then you figure out whoever your whites are, that's a, that's a scary team right there. Um, so he fits more at United than any other team, depending on if Lewandowski leaves, which it looks like he might because he's not renewed his contract yet. Um, if he's leaving, I, if I were him, I'll just stay and I'll just go to Bayern. Like, it's because Madrid can't afford it. They'll find the money, but really, Madrid is like in a transition phase. Barca can, Barca's completely off the table. Um. Chelsea, no. City doesn't make a lot of tactical sense. United and uh, Bayern are really the only two teams that I think make some kind of sense. So those would be the two teams that I would say he should go to. But his his um, his agent is crazier than all of us, so they'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm gonna let Seth give his his real opinion too. But just really quick, I think. Uh, Holland may be the kind of player that you change your formation and your tactics for, right? I think like Liverpool, obviously, like you mentioned, Firmino kind of drops in. Even Jota like drops in a little bit deeper, not as much as Firmino does. But I think if we got Holland, I think our tactics would change. I don't know, right? man. You, I, have, I think, you have Salah. Your team's built around Salah. You're not changing that for Holland. Well, you know, you can have two really good players, right? Uh, no, but but <laughs> I I do think I do think if if United, I think. Um, I think the United coach Frank likes the idea of of the you know the four two two two. I think he mm-hmm. pl- he's played that like pretty pretty much everywhere he's coached. I think the problem with that though is when you you need to have two really really good center mids to to make that system work. I think he would almost prefer, given that he you know he doesn't really have like a true like like. I mean, Cavani is a good forward. Ronaldo is a good forward. They're not real forwards, like in the context of like being a target They're number nine. Old. Like the two old. Yeah, they don't have the pace. Like, but Holland, you could play a four-two-three-one. Um, Holland yeah. with Seth, a four-two-three-one. Just producers. I mean, I still think I still think Holland should stay at Dortmund um, and just dominate there for another couple of years, probably. But. I agree. City doesn't make sense. Like for a player that's like a very individually dominant up front, City doesn't normally really make sense because of that style that they play. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody like Kevin De Bruyne, he kind of orchestrates the whole thing, which is why his superstardom works. But for the most part, you look at their team over the past few years, and it's been more or less formulaic, prototypical type players that are just filling gaps in uh, in, in Pep's system. So. A player like Holland, I'm sure, would be very good, but I don't know if he fits that system that well. I'm sure he would be successful there, but I don't know if it would be great for him. I feel like he needs to go to a place where he doesn't have to fit into a system as much as he can kind of do the things that he's really good at and just kind of do it like, um, rather than kind of have to change his game too much. So I, I like I like Real Madrid for him. I, I think that would be cool. I think Benzema's getting up there in age, and I think Real Madrid's the type of team to give players the freedom to play that the way they want to play. So I think he could go there um, and, and be pretty successful. Uh, yeah, I, Bayern would be fine. And I think United, of all the teams in England, I, I think United is the most logical one for him to go to. Uh, but I, I still think he should stick around at Dortmund. And, and I feel like he will. I, I, I know that like it's... I know there's been transfer rumors for a long time with him and 
it feels like if a deal was going to get done, it would have been done by now, especially because Dortmund's very well known for giving their play, like for making a profit on their players. So like, they're not going to, they're, they're not going to just, just going to hold on to him. Like he'll leave Dortmund eventually, but uh, it, it, it seems like if a deal was going to be done, it would have been done by now, just given Dortmund's history. So I'm not really convinced anything's going to happen this year, probably, or next year, maybe next year, but not this year. Yeah. I mean, with those kind of talents, it's just, like you said, everyone is interested, but what makes, what makes this most sense? Speaking of like playing players coming to clubs and playing to their strengths instead of like fitting them and forcing them into your system has been that's been Chelsea's issue with Lukaku like they're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole with Lukaku like the way he plays you have to kind of get the ball into his path and we've not done that I think today was probably the first time that it looks like Chelsea played the best way to shoot Lukaku so with the Holland thing will be the same it's like United makes the most sense tactically but everywhere else there would have to be a little bit of a tweak I like the Real Madrid shout. It's just the only issue is I think Benzema doesn't want to start from the bench. Like he's not gonna let like that's gonna mess up the chemistry. Maybe the maybe Arsenal uh, maybe Arsenal will finally set uh, by Benzema <laughs> after after rumors for the past fifteen years of us getting Benzema. Maybe <laughs> maybe this is the year. Uh, that would be a good that would be a good pick. Hey, Lewandowski is gonna be on the market, dude. Like, if you're Arsenal, just fuck it. Like. At this point, Arsenal has nothing to lose. Like you just walk into every room and like, I want your best player because what what are they what are they gonna say? No, okay, well whatever. Like okay, we'll <laughs> like, walk into the next yeah, room I'm and Arsenal. ask for their best player. <laughs> exactly. So you just do it. It's not gonna ruin their reputation any worse than it already is. Yeah, the reputation, you know, not so great. So exactly. yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Just go for it, man. Benzema, Benzema, you want to come? No. Okay. Holland, <laughs> you want to come? No. Mbappe, you want to come? Dude, no. <laughs> um, you know, and, and kind of on that note, I think I think that the the biggest fear for for me personally is the is the Newcastle signings, not because they're signing like a superstar who's gonna like come in like Holland and like change, but like they're targeting a ton of players, and so they're putting together a whole new team essentially, which I think could have the potential to be really dangerous. I think it's hard to know what that's going to look like. I don't even think they know what it's going to look like, but you have like, you know, moderate, it's kind of like city, like, like Seth said, they're, they're, they have KDB, they have, you know, Bruno, who's a, who's a good player and Bruno Silva, who's a good player and, and a few others. They have Ruben Diaz, who's a, who's a really solid center back, but, by and far, I think the reason they are good is because they they play well together, uh, and I think that's kind of what what the the Newcastle mentality is. We don't have to buy like superstars if we buy good players who are good football players who understand the game, put them together in a system that works, then we may get a good result and get a really good team out of it. And I think I think the key is one bringing in somebody who understands like how to build something bigger than just one year or two years, and then trying to you know mend together all those personalities i think yeah, somebody I think, like clock did that really well right Tuchel's doing that really well now yeah i mean it, it also comes down to like what are your expectations for your club and like what are your goals because like if you look at the club era club's been there for what six years now five years he's won yeah three, 2015 three, yeah, so he's won what three trophies four trophies you know yeah. it's not like every season we have to win something it's it's more about the direction of travel, like where is where's the goal and how are we going to get there? And I think big clubs that have good directors of football do that. Like City's done that. Liverpool's done that. Chelsea's trying to do that. Arsenal looks like they're trying to do that. So if mm-hmm. if um, Newcastle is going to build anything substantial, that's what they should do is to have a director. And they don't have a director of football right now. They just have a coach. So he's kind of doing a lot. But if you find the right guy and you're like, all right, our goal next year is to be mid-table and three years we want to fight for top four. It's like, all right, that's a goal. And then you just work towards that instead of saying, oh, we have all this money. We're going to buy a bunch of players and immediately comp- compete with like the big boys. So I'm excited for their projects because that's why I don't want them to get relegated because I actually, I think I was too young to really understand how Chelsea built their club. And then I didn't like City at all, so I didn't pay attention. But this, like, I'm old enough to kind of see 
what the process is and what it's going to be like. So I'm very excited to see how they, they mend things over there. I think Tielemans would be a really, really great pick for Arsenal. Um, young, solid center mid, uh, just like box to box type of like just and technical too. Like uh, mm-hmm. he's he's actually a really well rounded center mid. I'm surprised that he's only been at Leicester for most of this. I, time. I buy him in FIFA every time. He's yeah, like he's one of my first five purchases. <laughs> yeah, he's a really well rounded player. He's not a superstar, but he's just like a really really well rounded player. So he would be great. I know that Arsenal also are rumored to go out and get Arthur on loan from Juventus. I don't really know much about Arthur. I know that he played for Barcelona and Juventus, but not really like gotten a lot of impact or had a lot of impact. But I, he's he's another solid center mid, and he could play instead of Granit Xhaka. So I'm all for it. Uh, but other than that, I, I there there aren't a lot of transfers out there that I'm following. Newcastle will always be fun to watch for the next couple of years just to see what kind of deals they can put together. Uh, but otherwise, there's there's nothing really else that's happening. I'm sure Aubameyang might leave on loan uh, this in January, but honestly, the window is approaching close. So uh, you know, it's it's almost the end of January already. So there's not that much time left. I feel like most of the deals that are that are happening are are either done at this point or are being converted to loan deals, which is what I just saw with the Jesse Lingard situation is that since his contract is now up in, in the summer, it uh, all, all of the bids to buy him are getting rejected and, and they're just looking to loan him out for the rest of the season. It looks like, and they're probably going to do that with a lot of the people that'll be summer transfers. So it'll be interesting to see who, who ends up on loan at the end of January. And those will probably be key players for, the ones that will eventually end up uh, transferred this summer. So we should probably also keep an eye on the Dembele thing happening over at Barcelona because he didn't sign a new deal. The president came out and was just like, "You're not part of the project anymore." And that'll be fun to track. I don't think in eight days there's going to be a deal for him to leave, and I don't know where he's going to go. There's a lot of link to Chelsea because Tuchel coached him at um, BVB, but. I don't think that's a good idea. He's the same as Hudson Odoi and Pulisic. Like we have enough of that already. Um, but that would be that would be interesting to follow as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, right now there's no like big blockbuster thing going on anywhere. So it's just like kind of waiting for news to fall through and figure out where everyone's going to end up. I think in the summer we're going to have some major shakeups, especially because we're going into. We're also going into Pep's last year, yeah, at City, and he's not—he's not, he's not uh, signing a new contract. He's like done after this. So that would be interesting to see if they're just going to be like, we're going to overhaul this entire thing to just go for like a treble or something like that. Um, that would be fun. Much more in the summer. I do think this like this experiment. We should do this. We should look at every big club with a good player who's not getting enough minutes and find them like a new home, like. <laughs> where <laughs> like theoretically where should timo verna end up like that would be an interesting in the trash can and i mean a, a good... uh, there, there are rumors that it's i i don't think it's big anymore it, it would have been a while ago but it, it sounds like Eden hazard's probably on his way out of real madrid mm-hmm. probably making his way back to chelsea at some point yeah. Uh, now that he's kind of an aging superstar uh, and still eats plenty of dinner. Uh, every time I see him, he's he's eating good over in Spain. So, um, but... Talented uh, player, though. Uh, they're, they're it's so him. sad. It's so sad how his career has panned out. Like, when he left Chelsea, he was on top of the world. And in four years, three years, like, everything's falling apart. And it breaks my heart so much but every time i see him do something brilliant i just feel so good like just recently he he won a game for real um in the spanish cup and it was just like that's the end and i know but he can't do it consistently anyway he's injured all the time he can't shake off the weight it's just it breaks my heart i miss well, him so and it, what what kind of yeah i mean man he he was such a good player he he is such a good player still but yeah it's tough. I think um, somebody like him would it would be great to to get like a new start at a different club, even a smaller club like Coutinho. Mm-hmm. Coutinho is a good example of somebody who who just needs like he needed a little rejuvenation. Rejuvenation. I think it's been what, two or three games, so nothing set in stone yet. But I think he's on the way back to to you know 
actually, you know, actually playing, enjoying himself. So good things are going to happen. I think with, uh, I don't know, man, Madrid, I've seen so many good players go to Madrid and just sit on the bench and waste away that I just, yeah. it's it annoying. bugs me every time. It is, it's it annoying. is. And, and on the, on the pep thing, I think uh, the Dutch FA has announced that they kind of are keeping the seat warm for him so he can jump in and, you know, make the transition to international football. So, so Netherlands there. coach, they want him to yeah. be Netherlands coach? That's yeah. Funny. Yeah. Which that, I think that's that, actually going to be fun if he was, now that I think about well, it. Well, I would, I would think he'd want to go coach Spain, honestly. That's what I think too. Yeah. But I'm, I don't think I, he'll get rid of Enrique. I'm sure he'll make his way around the world. <laughs> if, uh, he's, he's, He'll he'll figure it out. He'll 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 make his way to multiple clubs, I'm sure, or multiple international clubs. Yeah, I think that's the key to see if you know. I mean, if if you can go into a team. Oh, if like he Spain, if he goes if he goes and wins a World Cup or a Euros, mm-hmm. like he's the number best one. Coach if, ever. if he if he wins a World <laughs> Cup and a Euros somewhere, I agree. He is the best manager coach of all time if he's able yeah. to do that. Yeah, I don't think it's it's debatable at that point. Right you know? now, he's you've, you've done it in for every sure. league. Yeah. Oh, top yeah, three I for sure. So. Like two, two and three, depending on what kind of coach you like, goes between. I think Mourinho's aged poorly. Top Mourinho, though, there's an argument there to say he's better than I think than Sir Tom. Alex Ferguson is probably. Oh, no, nah, he's number one. There's no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone else just falls below that. But like the two and three. <laughs> yeah. Between, between I, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, if, if Pep goes out and wins a World Cup with an international club, I think yeah. he's probably up there with sort like. We can put him on the same level as he's Sir Alex. After that, yeah, he'd be. Well, I mean, I mean, that would be insane. You can't pick your players at the. I mean, to an to an extent, you can't. That's pick what I'm your getting. Players. It's you like trade people, right? Like, you, yeah. You, and you at that point, at that point, it's just like, oh well, his system is flawless. Like, yeah, uh, his system is just the best it can be, which is yeah. insane. It is kind of crazy that I don't even think he has. I thought he only has what two Champions League trophies, I think. Yeah, yeah that's two. about it. So two champions. he doesn't actually have as many Champions Leagues as obviously everyone wants, but I mean, he's won the league everywhere he goes. And he's got a lot of, he's got an FA Cup, which that's a big deal as well. So, yeah. you know, and a community shield, <laughs> which is good. Yeah. I think as fans, we do this thing where we're very um, like uh, punishing of players that our teams buy. And say like, oh, you're not performing. But like going back to the Philip Coutinho thing, like as soon as he changes, you know, leagues to a, a league that's more suited to his style of play, he shines. So with players, I think I don't know if agents consider that, and hopefully they do. But there's some players who just don't fit in some some leagues. Like it's just not the best place for them. Like I don't think a player like Pulisic would survive in Italy. He would just be injured all the time, right? Like because of how brutal the system is over there. So sometimes that should be considered as well when players are coming into new leagues. Like I'm very glad Coutinho and Dingy and all those other guys are getting some playtime over at Aston Villa because the Premier League suite uh, suits the way they play a little bit more than anyone else does. So um, just a quick comment on that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's tough sometimes to know. Like I think we all expected Hazard to do really, really well uh in like la liga at madrid but it's just tough to know i guess which kind of makes it unfortunate like you have a player that's really good player you know moves like torres even you know torres was great at liverpool went to chelsea didn't do so hot um it's just i think tough to know like team wise and league wise how you're going to perform right that's a really good point i wish people would pay a little bit more attention to that um and and we talked a little bit about um formation managers and so one manager that you know we kind of focused at least a little bit of attention on has been Conte uh, Tottenham so he took over early January so in a week or so he will have been the Spurs head coach for about three months Um, he signed an 18-month deal so you know one-sixth of the way through it seems like it was just yesterday he was announced as the coach Um, so thoughts on one is he going to to stay beyond the, the 18 months contract he signed? Because there's an option to stay. Two, how's he doing? Has there been a shift in the Spurs mentality and the way that they play and the results, et cetera? And then three, would you say he's had as big of an impact on Spurs as he has, you know, somebody like Chelsea or some of the other teams he's coached? 
yeah, I don't I I, I think Conte Conte is Conte systems like don't work past two years. So 18 months is the perfect duration. Um but Tottenham has to back him. If you don't give him the ingredients to make the soup, you're not gonna get it. Like it's just not gonna work if he doesn't get the players that he needs to play the system. You know, he's being forced to play with four in the back and fielding um defenders as center mids because they just don't have the manpower for it. it it's not going to work you know that 433 or 343 not going to work without without that i know they're linked with uh triore which you know in theory sounds really fun like triore and son behind kane just sounds really fun but that's not really where their problem areas are like their problem areas are more central and midfield like today they were just outmanned the midfield Chelsea had three midfielders and they it seemed like they had only Harry Winks kind of playing against all those three so if you don't back him and give him the players that he needs it's not going to work now if they do give him the players that he needs I know Conte Conte has been successful everywhere he's everywhere he's been um so I think I think he would he would be successful in England I don't think he would win the league (laughs) knock on wood but um they would win some trophies and i think that's what tottenham needs they've not won a trophy in over 30 years or something like that so they don't even particularly care what kind of trophy it is they just need something in their cabinet and that's what he's going to get them if they give him the manpower that he needs so they got to back him at least this summer they got to get him two to five players that he actually wants on his list and then you just watch him work that guy's good he he, he understands football tactics like just up there with the peps and the two calls and the Mourinho's and the say alexis you know he's not as great as the guys that i just mentioned before them but he's really really good he's won a trophy in every league he's coached in he's won uh like the league trophy in every league that he's coached in so obviously he's qualified to do this job yeah i don't think i have anything to add to that yeah the uh yeah he's a good manager uh, He'll stick around as long as they let him stick around. Uh, there's, I mean, there's no other, like, look at top tier managers that are available right now. It's not exactly abundant. So unless they want to sign Frank Lampard or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, then they should probably try to keep uh, Conte around as long as they can. So I, th- I think he'll stick around. I, I, I don't see why he wouldn't. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with this whole Harry Kane situation, but Harry Kane, Human Son, those are two of like the best attacking players in the league. So you should be able to go out and get some goals. And now it's just what, yeah, I mean, who who's in behind now? I saw the back line that they had, and I know what you're talking about, Nate. Like, just say, if they don't have like a dominant force in their defense. And so that's probably what they need to go out and get. Like one player who's a dominant force who would be solidified in that team and would just run the show from the back mm-hmm. line. So that's that's at least one person that they need. And then they can figure out the center midfielders. They can figure that out. Like Eric Dyer used to be a center midfielder and now he's been playing center back for them. So I don't know if that's the intended future for him or if that's, or, or if he'll be moving back into like the, that, that central midfield role if they needed to, but there's a lot of center midfielders out there. Uh, talk about like, I mean, Yeri Tielemans would be great for, for Spurs too. So let's hope that one doesn't happen. But so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see why he wouldn't stick around. What are they? They is in, in his first nine games or something or 10 games lost one and unbeaten in the other nine. Is that what it was? So that's definitely a good turnaround from, uh, from the previous manager. So I don't see why he wouldn't stick around. And I think to your, to your point, if we look, there are teams, you know, Liverpool entered like this building stage, Chelsea entered this building stage. United, I think, is building a little bit. Arsenal is building. Aston Villa looks like they're building. Everton needs to build. Newcastle is building. I think because everyone else is building, now is the time to build. You don't want to be in your building phase after everyone is done building. So I think if they want to build, they need to build now. And who better to build with than than Conte? I don't know if, just being honest, I don't know if Conte wants to be long-term at Spurs. Um, I, I think... I think, honestly, if, if I were a Spurs fan, I would say I would personally love to have Conte as like a Klopp-type coach. Let him, you know, buy him three or four really, really good players that he wants. Give him the money. Give him the time. Give him the, you know, the support. And I think he could do really, really well. I don't think Spurs are going to do much better than Conte. And I think given the market and how 
few coaches there are, I think he, you know, they did really well to get him, right? And so I, I don't know if they're going to get anyone better. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think I agree with what you guys are saying. We'll we'll see how he does, you know, going forward. And, and to be honest, he he inherited this team in a pretty rough spot. So if they're going to really get behind him, I'd like to see the summer transfer window at least look like a, a brand new Spurs team, at least three or four, minimum two good players, decent players that Conte can work with. Um, and then give him, I, I would say give him until the end of next season. And he could probably turn it around, I would say. Um, but you know, I guess it's depending on if he wants it, you know? Yeah. I don't think Tottenham's problem is even really coaching again. Like, I mean, in the past, so these are the most recent four managers. Pochettino, who's a phenomenal coach, Mourinho, Nuno, and now Conte. Three of those four guys are guys that are like top 10 coaches in the world. So, I mean, if you're having that kind of coaching talent come in and you're not performing to that level of talent, then it's more indicative of decisions being made upstairs. I mean, they decided to invest building a stadium over investing in a squad which is fine you know do do your thing and then they went in and got the all in nothing money from amazon which was more representative of nothing than all because they don't win anything and then they just like <laughs> wasted the money on on buying a bunch of players that don't work out in whatever system you can just keep changing coaches and buy players and have those players be inherited by coaches who don't necessarily need that baggage so I think they just need some stability. I don't think Levy, who is the chairman of the board, who's been there for the past, I think, 12 years, has done anything good to still have his job. That's another thing. I'm realizing that like a lot of people who are at these clubs and in the boardrooms and in, in the C-suite, like they're making decisions that reflect poorly on the team and the managers. But really, if we were to look at it intently, you would realize like these guys didn't do anything. Like Ed Woodward at over at United did nothing. Like, also, Old Trafford is falling apart. He's not repaired anything. He just keeps spending money on players who are not fitting. <laughs> like, it's just, these guys probably should be the ones that the pitchforks should be going at and not the manager. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you back Conte, he will get you results. Like, because he did it at Chelsea. Like, we backed him and he won us a league. So, I know if you back him, he's going to do the job. It's just, it's time him willing to spend the money and if it really comes down to it and Kane still wants to leave fine just let him go sell him for a high price and invest in a squad because you need the money anyway so I think that's a really good point I think it's you know obviously a lot of the positions that are higher up like beyond manager you know chairman of the board um, you know president etc I think they come with like usually people get in those positions because they're good investors, wealthy individuals, they're connected to the right people, et cetera. Um, I think the, the breakdown happens when you have to, and this does not sound like an easy job, so I'm not criticizing or saying I could do it any better, but I think it sounds like a difficult job to try and manage a club as an asset. You know, you have, you have stakeholders, you're trying to make them happy. Really, your fiduciary responsibility is to your stakeholders, which I completely understand. But then you have to balance that with your fans. And, you know, the fans obviously are a huge, you know, source of, of revenue as well. No one's going to want to go to your games. No one's going to want to buy jerseys. But it seems like, at least this is my perception, jersey sales, fans going to games, et cetera, stays pretty constant. But then what you're, who you're really pleasing are the, are the you know, board members, the stakeholders. And so mm -hmm. if you make really poor, you know, look at Arsenal. Arsenal fans, Seth, has been a fan of Arsenal for, for how long? And they've made really poor decisions in terms of bringing great players to the club, et cetera. But Arsenal fans are still, you know, buying tickets, buying jerseys, et cetera, and, and will continue to because they're established, you know, you know, what they've established, you know, prior. And I think Spurs fans, same, will continue to buy, continue to, to attend games. But again, it like goes back to, to balancing shareholders. And I think really until it affects their bottom line, they're not going to want to make changes that enable the club to, you know, maybe even at a, at a loss on the finance side, enable the club to perform better, which is sad. It's a sad reality, but I, I think yeah. I agree with you. 
Yeah, I, it's definitely yeah. Most most people who are like Woodward was over at J.P. Morgan as an investor and then just got the job at United. So it it, it really comes down to what ownership wants out of the club. What are their expectations? You know, like the 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 city ownership wants to win, regardless of how much money they're making, but they're also willing to spend. So I guess it kind of balances out over there, but. I guess a much more managed club would probably be Liverpool. Like Liverpool wants to win and bring in best, like the best talent that they could afford, but winning is very, very important to them. And Fenway has done a really good job of getting the right people there. I, I, I think the problem is that, yeah, you should have some invested investors on the board and people who are financially talented, but also you should have people who just understand the sport. And most of these clubs are, either swing too far to the sports side or too far to the finance side. And obviously it's not an easy job, but if you've been there for 10 years and you've done nothing, you should get fired. Like Levy should not have his job. Well, and it seemed like I'm going primarily off the the Amazon series here. So I really can't speak to, to how true this is. It seemed like Levy was really, really involved. Like he was always talking to Mourinho, any like player change when, when Erickson wanted to leave, it was, Mourinho and Levy talking, you know, like I feel like at Liverpool at least, the the chair, I guess chair people are not are not nearly as involved on the outside. I, I have not watched a documentary on Liverpool, you know, to the same extent, obviously, because nothing's been been done in that in that way to kind of give you what the locker room and, and beyond looks like. Um, but who knows? Maybe that's just how how it works, and I have no idea. But it seems like Levy's more involved than the average chairperson. Yeah, but. I- so I've seen a few. There's like there's a show on Apple called Be in Liverpool. I think I've seen two episodes. Yeah, right. Um, so they it's kind of the same. I mean, that's the day to day. You have to communicate. But you, I, I mean, we talked about this maybe a year or two ago when we started a podcast, very early episodes, and we're talking about like the the fabric of the team. Like, what is your what does your team represent? You know, um. Tottenham doesn't represent hiring a manager like Mourinho. It doesn't fit. That's not who they were, you know? So that hiring alone is a problem. So if you hire Mourinho, you're expecting your entire style that you have built. That is a a relationship with the fans over decades. You're just going to change that in a year to fit this coach who doesn't match or align with the values of the club at all. So that's the thing is that, these decisions, it's not just hiring the best name, it's hiring the name that actually fits what you're expecting your values to be for your club. Like Chelsea's always just been about like win or go, right? It's something that they're trying to change. So you hire someone like Tuchel and then you give him time to do whatever you want. Um, Liverpool has always just been about like actually establishing a relationship with the fans. So the manager has to be there for a long time. Like Rafa Benitez was there for a very long time and he has a very special connection to them. Still don't understand why he took the Everton job. Arsenal also has the same kind of thing with Liverpool, except they don't win as much. So, you know, you build a relationship <laughs> with the fans. There's a style of play that everyone buys into, right? So if you don't have the, you know, expendable income like Chelsea does to just be like, oh, they didn't work, we'll just patch it over. And you're Tottenham. You should not hire people who are not good for the job. Like you should actually look into keeping Pochettino not firing him, keeping him because he's he's Tottenham. Like that's how Tottenham should play. That's what Tottenham feels like. You keep him, you back him, you buy the players that he wants and the club just flourishes. But if you keep firing people over and over again, like looking back at Everton, I think Everton's had what, nine coaches in the past, like 11 years or something like that. Whoever's in charge should be fired. That's a terrible, like you're doing a terrible job. <laughs> if that was anywhere else, like if you were the, head of the board at i don't know Milan pharmaceuticals and you keep hiring a new ceo every year you would get fired like that's you would get fired off the board so it should be it should apply to the same instead of us maybe blaming just the managers we should also kind of expand the scope a little bit to look at how the behind the scenes are affecting the clubs Seth, you got anything yeah. else? I've been taking a lot of shots at Arsenal. Oh, no, no, I, not really. <laughs> I thought it was weird that uh, – I actually thought it was weird that they – like, Nuno made sense when he was hired. Um, 
he seemed like the type of manager to like be at Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mourinho didn't. Conte doesn't even really feel like the type of manager should be at Tottenham. No, he doesn't. But yeah. I think Pachin, Pachin, uh, Nuno was definitely yeah. good. Yeah. Conte's Conte's style though pretty much works anywhere because he's so defensive. He's just like, all right, we're gonna play like the Italian teams do. Five in the back. <laughs> you let a goal in, and you're running. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so, like, like when I see Conte, I just he strikes fear into me when I look at that man. I'm like, that is an Italian gangster yes. of a manager, <laughs> and I would hate to get on his bad side. So for him, his style of play, it's it's mostly defensively. So it'll work anywhere. But even he doesn't feel like a Tottenham manager. I like Nuno. Uh, it didn't work out obviously with him, but eh, it is what it is. So. Credit um, credit to to Conte for playing four in the back today though he played a four four two against Chelsea which was mm-hmm. kind of surprising. That's not what I saw. I thought it was. I thought he played five. I thought he had the wing wing backs with Ben Davies and Doherty with three in the middle. It, no, felt, so, it felt like a, a a five, but they set up as a four four two. It's just that he had six defenders on the field. So, and then oh, did Dyer stands. did Dyer play in in midfield then? No, he was a center back. But yeah, I mean, was, he was a he center was back. dropping. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I thought it looked more like Sanchez and Dyer, and then, uh, you know, Doherty looked like, to me, like, like kind of like Robertson plays for Liverpool, I would say. It was a good comparison, kind of. Yeah. He was he was pretty defensive. Anyway, I don't know. It, it's kind of tough to tell with these teams sometimes whenever they're yeah, on the defensive. But, you know, kind of looking forward, I would say the, the biggest thing that happened in the last week, there were a lot of awards. Um, handed out and obviously you know you have Ballon d'Or you have the the FIFA what they call the FIFA best awards EA Sports actually has a a FIFA best 11 so tons of awards a little confusing to track so just for for anyone who doesn't you know constantly follow the the FIFA the, the EA Sports FIFA 22 team of the year came out recently and we'll just run through that uh, really, really quick. So Donnarumma is in goal. Marquinhos and Ruben Diaz at the center backs. Hakimi and Cancelo are right back and left back. In midfield, we have Jorginho and Conte. And then ahead of him, uh, excuse me, ahead of them, you have De Bruyne. Uh, Lewandowski is the center forward. Messi on the right side and Bappe on the left. Um, and so they don't do any other wacky awards. It's just the best 11. Moving to the FIFA best awards that were also announced this past week. You have Donnarumma, uh, you know, in goal again. You have Diaz, but then you actually have Bonucci and Alaba. And I'll, I'll note that this formation is actually a 3-3-4, three, three, uh, a little bit different. And then in midfield, you have, again, De Bruyne, Jorginho, Conte. So those three stay the same. <clears throat> you have Lewandowski, Messi, and actually Mbappe's bumped for Holland. And you also have Ronaldo. Um, Interestingly enough, they, you know, FIFA does do a, what, what they call like the, the best, you know, women's player, men's player. And so for, for the, the best men's player, it was given to Lewandowski, uh, who had 48 quote unquote points. Messi came in second with 44 points. Salah came in third with 39 points. They also do the best FIFA men's goalkeeper award. Uh, Mendy came in first. Uh, and there are no points given. Uh, Donnarumma second, and Newer uh, third. So I think actually I, I did read there are points, just not on the sheet that I'm looking at. I think Mendy and Donnarumma tied. Uh, it could be that they they tied, so they had said, okay, well one of them is going to get the best goalkeeper award, one of them is going to get the team of the year award. Um, I don't know. This this feels a little bit to me ingenuine. Um, Seth, we'll go to you to start. What do you think about, you, you know, the, less so the EA Sports, more the, the FIFA Best Award? How do you think it, it correlates to, to how the awards in your opinion should have been given? Uh, do you see any, like, big misses? Are you happy with the team overall? Well, I mean, Odegaard didn't get any awards, so <laughs> something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. The EA sports one, they're just trying to make money. Right. So um, that, you know, that's, that's why Mbappe is in there and that's why Messi's in there and, and, and some of the other ones. So um, it's fine. Uh, as, as far as the other stuff goes, though, like, I don't have a lot of quorums. I, I, I think, I think you could, 
Like there, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. There's, there's like a pool of players that I would deem to be the world's best players. There's probably, let's say 50 of them, uh, the best players in the world. Uh, let's lower that. Probably let's say 30 players of the best in the world. And if any of the 30 players in my like pool would get these awards, I'd be like, that's fine. Like it's all the same to me. So I think all of the players that we mentioned are probably in that pool. And so I don't think that that's totally off. I think the only one that's, that's odd for me is Ronaldo. I just don't think he had a good enough year to be considered yeah. in this, in this list. When you think about someone like Sala, um, uh, yeah, basically when you think about someone like Salah, uh, or even if you wanted to put another defender in there and you think about somebody like, uh, what Jao Cancelo has done. So I think Ronaldo is the only one that I, that I like see. And I'm like, ah, that one seems weird, but uh, Messi, he did have an incredible year last year. He just didn't really win anything. And then the other players I, I'm fine with Jorginho. Did, is did like a oh, that's right. That's right. He did. Yeah. But, uh, and then Jorginho, uh, although he's like the worst, actually, actually, to be fair, Jorginho would not be in my pool of like the 30 best players in the world. And he's in there, but I actually think he deserves it because of what happened last season with him, both winning the Euros and winning the Champions League. So I think there, there there's like that weighted point system where based on how well you did that year, you do have to give somebody credit, but like Jorginho is never getting in this team again. So uh, take it while you can get it, I suppose. But he's never getting it again. Nathan so and and I'm okay with it because Nathan knows. Nathan knows it. Uh, Nathan knows it. Uh, but yeah, no. Other otherwise, I, I think that this is fine. I don't really care about the awards that much. I like that they're doing. I, I like that the Ballon d'Or. Well, I hate that the Ballon d'Or is basically the great, like the best striker in the world award. Uh, or best goal scorer in the world award. So I like that they have different awards for different positions because it actually gives other people chances to be the best in, at a particular position or, or, or spot on the field rather than just saying you're the best player in the world, which is highly subjective. Um, but yeah, no, this is fine. It's always fun to talk about awards. These are cool. Nate? Yeah. Um, Seth is right that Jorginho does not belong in the top 30 <laughs> players in the world. I based on talent, yes, but based on the year he had, he definitely belongs on the list. Um, so yeah, one good year, that's it. He's not going to be here again. You're right, it's not going to happen, at least not even going to the world cup. So (laughs) he's not even going to get the shot to do this again. Um, but yeah, I don't how my only problem was not was Salah not on this list. That was that was the big thing for me. Salah definitely should be on there before Cristiano, in my opinion. Um, yeah yeah I'm i agree and, and yeah i'm just gonna point out since you both pointed out ronaldo ronaldo on the individual award i think got seventh uh and and Salah got third and it just doesn't really add up to me regardless of how things are voted on and etc i just think that 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 is an inconsistency that that can't really be overlooked i think mm-hmm. mendy the mendy donnarumma thing honestly Donnarumma compared to Mendy this year Mendy has done so well like it's, yeah. it's so unfair that he didn't he didn't get in that team I, I don't think Donnarumma should have been on the on the team of the year honestly yeah um just just being honest I think like most of these people I agree Alaba I think Alaba is kind of a bad shout I think over like Marquinhos over I don't know man there's there's I'm not saying that Seth, I agree with you. There's, there's like a pool of players where you can say, okay, this person, but like one, I don't agree with the whole three, three, four. I've I never seen it silly. before. That's, that's just silly to me. You're, I would like to see a it though. Defender of a spot, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think like when you think about attacking players, like you could go with a four, four, two, you could go with a four, three, three, you can go. With, I don't know. I, I have a hard time saying one Alaba should be there. I don't think he should. And then two, I have a hard time with, I don't know, guys like Trent not being on the team, guys like Salah not being on the team. And I know they're both Liverpool, you know, players, but I, I really do think that given given the, I don't know, just given the years that they have, I think it's a little, it's a little unfair. Um, I'm not a big fan of like, yeah, and I mean, I'm not a big fan of, of, of the, the cutting the, the defender. 
I think I would have been more okay if they actually included Ronaldo, cut out Holland, and and put another defender. To be honest with you, I don't I don't like that they did that, but that's my biggest gripe. I think. Yeah, it's 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 voted on by the players worldwide, so I guess you know who's going to argue with the players. They, this is what they I mean, they are, they are playing against each other. They're, uh, yeah, no, it is what it is. I, I personally think this is bogus. Sometimes when you see who voted for who, like, like it's like Messi voted for like Neymar, like, bro, Messi, bro, yeah, come on, he's still, he's still hung up on it, man. He's still like, yeah, well, there's that's. If you're gonna make well, number one, we don't even know if that was actually their votes, do we? Or or somebody just I think it was, it was tweeted by FIFA, like the FIFA Twitter. Okay, yeah. well, number one, they votes should be anonymous. They should not be allowed to do that. <laughs> like if if the votes aren't gonna be anonymous, then of course he's gonna vote for his teammates. Like that would look really shitty if Messi goes out and votes for like Salah, Cristiano Ronaldo, and like or like or like if Messi voted for Mbappe but not Neymar or something. Like, yeah that like that so the votes need to be anonymous first off they shouldn't they shouldn't distribute them but neymar over over mbappe that's that one doesn't even make sense to me well i but it doesn't matter like the i also think that the players also recognize that the awards are kind of i don't know a joke like it's bullshit like what do messi and ronaldo care about who wins any of these awards anymore they've got the messi and ronaldo have already won all of them so they don't care anymore um I, I think like getting on the team once is is awesome that's i i kind of wish that with awards like this i know that it creates a legacy to be able to win you know six ballon doors but i kind of wish you could only ever win one that way you kind of you yeah. always have a fresh look at things or you at least you just eliminate some of that like some of the repeat stuff that could happen um and then it, it makes it uh, easier to accomplish yes or maybe there's just a limit. You can only be on it three times or something like that. Like um, maybe it's hard to find 11 new players every single year, but the otherwise, yeah, these awards are just kind of a joke. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think I, the players I, care that much, especially individual awards. I don't think they care that much. I should also mention just as a side, we don't have to discuss the, the FIFA Pucas award given to the, to the, I guess the most the most phenomenal goal, the most attractive goal, the coolest looking goal, Eric Lamella uh, for Arsenal. Oh, or against did he? Arsenal. Against Arsenal. <clears throat> yeah. That was a sexy and, goal, uh, to be fair. That was sexy, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then second place, uh, Mehdi Taremi, who's a Iranian guy who plays for Porto against Chelsea in the Champions League, uh, had that. a bicycle kick. I and then, uh, yeah, And then third, Patrick uh, Schick. Uh, for the Czech Republic against oh, yeah. uh, Scotland scored from pretty far out in the, in the Euros. Euros. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And I should mention, Evan would be upset if I didn't mention Cristiano Ronaldo and Christine Sinclair got the FIFA Special Award for career for outstanding career achievement. Nice. That's real. No, uh, that's real. So- and I think I think that's the one that I'm most frustrated. Like they had to say his name, right? They had to give him something, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, it I mean, is what it is. Soon, the, the Messi and Ronaldo hype. Oh, my voice cracked. But um, the Messi and Ronaldo hype is the train is over. It's like it's leaving the station. So once uh, once it's fully gone, then we'll have to find new people to obsess about. And it seems like FIFA has their eyes set on Erling Holling and uh, on Holland and uh, Mbappe as those people to to start gravitating towards for the money makers that's uh yeah so we'll, we'll see yeah and i think i think that's a good point it's it's part of its money i'm excited that i never have to see Jorginho's stupid face ever again on one of these award sheets you gotta leave my so, guy alone man he had a phenomenal year <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I, I like i said he deserves to be there i just yeah, it, like, everyone just has like, a lucky season good good good, yeah. good for him not, man. A, like, not everyone I, has a lucky season there's like a million right. players who do not get lucky seasons yeah you're right but you know he got lucky it's fine That's how many so goals I, I saw a stat that, that said that he scored zero goals in 2021 that were non-penalty goals yeah he doesn't I mean, score goals about right that's, score that's not his yeah. job <laughs> he that's basically job. No, that's, that's a good point that's a that's a very basic yeah no, nobody ever says how many goals is Conte score but uh yeah, yeah i mean he basically that, just he basically just fits into the midfield with the phenomenal players around him and so yeah. and that happened to happen with chelsea and italy 
which yeah. I don't want to discredit him. He's a good player, but he's not like yeah, he's not, a good player. He does he does his job. Yeah, he does his job, yeah. and yeah. you shouldn't get awards for doing your job. Yeah, yeah, so, achievement whatever, or uh, participation trophies, right? Uh, and speaking yeah. of trophies, you know there have been quite a few red cards given this season. And I think, uh, you know, our eyes were kind of set on Arsenal with uh, Granite Shaka, you know, getting a red card, um, you know, pretty recently. And then on top of that, Thomas Partey in the, in the cup also got red carded. So, you know, lots of red cards, but really what we care about is the Premier League. So I would say, you know, there are a lot of teams right now that are, you know, that have multiple red cards. And I think there's like, eight teams tied for two. Um, and so, you know, kind of thinking about <laughs> how, how aggressive some of these teams are and how stupid some of the challenges have been, uh, you know, just wanted to get your guys' thoughts to see how many, how many cards do you think the leading team is going to get in the, in the 21-22 season? Uh, and then kind of like an idea for for uh, who you think is going to have the most red cards player wise. Um, and it's a, it's a tough, it's a very tough thing to predict. I get that. Um, but yeah, let's just let's just start with Seth. Seth, which team do you think is going to have the most red cards at the end of the year? And which player do you think is going to have the most red cards? Uh, I'll go with Arsenal for the team. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Arsenal just have a lot of hotheads who do a lot of stupid stuff. Like Thomas Partey's red card was so dumb. Granite yeah. Chaka's red card was so dumb. Gabrielle's red card was so dumb. Like at least if you're gonna get a red card, like go into a bone crushing tackle. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, card. yeah. Like but they just get dumb red cards. So probably Arsenal will continue to get dumb red cards. I don't think Chaka is gonna play much anymore if we get another center mid. So I don't think he'll get many more red cards this season. And I don't even necessarily know if Arsenal will have a player that would get the most red cards this season. Um, like Gabrielle's not a bad shot though. He's like a hothead plays at center back. He normally is a little reckless. So that wouldn't be a bad person to guess for, for most red cards, but it's probably more likely um, trying to think normally it's going to be somebody who's like a hotheaded player who again just like like you know the mario balotelli types like sometimes it's a forward who just like has really bad luck or who is just kind of a jerk uh and and just can't get away with things but i'm, I'm looking at this list now of, of all the red cards that have been given out and i'm trying to find that person that stands out and the only person that does stand out to me really is is gabrielle on arsenal really so i'll go gabrielle on arsenal he'll probably get at least one more red card this season for being dumb. I, I don't think, I, I mean, if you get more than two red cards in a season, there's a problem. So, but, but him having two red cards, yeah, I could see that happening. Um, especially as we get near the end of the season when the games get a little more heated and where like he maybe has to make some challenges that uh, you wouldn't be proud of near the end of games or something like that. Um, so yeah, I'll go with Gabrielle at Arsenal. None of these other names are really standing out. So I, I'm down with that. And I'll, I'll just preface before Nathan gives his pick. So Arsenal, Aston Villa, Man City, Man United, Newcastle, Southampton, Watford, West Ham United, and Wolves are all tied for two, Nate, if that helps. <laughs> well, Jesus, what teams don't, aren't on the list? <laughs> exactly. Gosh. Yeah, Wolves got a red, like a really stupid red, though, like the um, Jimenez red against City. When he like he got a yellow, they were about to kick the ball, and then he stuck his leg out, got a second yellow. <laughs> so yeah. that's how they got their second red. Um, I do want to go with Arsenal as well, just because I don't think they're gonna pick up a new center mid before the transfer window closes. So Shaka is gonna have to play. If he does, then that or uh, the 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 player on Tottenham who was on the left. No, no, the right side, and 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 Colin was just playing with his motions today. Tapanga, Tashanga, something yeah, like Tazan. Yeah. Uh, yes, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, he is. He just does not a tackle. Um, so... Tanganga, Tanganga, yeah. Tanganga, Tanganga, yeah. He's, Tanganga. He's, he's yeah, definitely gonna one. get. He's definitely gonna get some <laughs> some some reds. He Bergwijn already has was, one red. Bergwijn was getting into it too, honestly. With uh, yeah, 
with some folks out there. He's a little bit, he's got a bit of a hothead on him. So is Rudiger, to be fair. Dude, I was just about to say Rudiger. But today Rudiger was getting things thrown at him. So I understand. Yeah, that's fair. Tottenham fans just don't like him. I was surprised. I would have been a lot more angry than he was. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think I I pick Arsenal and I pick I pick Shaka because I don't think they have they, they do have the choice to not play him, but I don't know. Like maybe he has nudes of Ateta. That's why he just <laughs> that's how way. he somehow keeps getting into the lineup. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, and I agree. I think I think it'll be Arsenal. I'll go with Shaka too, just because he's kind of a hothead and can't control himself. Uh, before we wrap things up, I do want to see if either of you can guess, A, the team who had the most red cards last season, and then how many cards they had. Uh, well, I know Arsenal have the most red cards of all time uh, across the entire Premier League. I know that they, they crossed that threshold last season with one of Shaka's uh, reds from last season uh wait just so who who had the most red cards last season basically yeah in the 2021 season which team not necessarily a player but which team and then how which many team cards? yeah um it's a good question I'm trying to just think of red cards i know i mean arsenal really had it bad everton. last season as i was say i i, I want to say everton was another one that stuck out to me but i'm trying to think of who got all those cards like i know richarlison got a couple i feel like or something like that but um, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Arsenal got five last year. Okay, and Nate. I would say Everton three. Yeah, and so okay, so you were both pretty close, uh, but not correct. And I'm gonna explain what that means. So Everton actually had two red cards only, Nate, last year. Arsenal did have five sets, but then Brighton oh, uh... actually had six. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah, so Brighton Brighton wins by one there. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty good, Seth. Someone knows their team well. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I know. I'm not <laughs> proud good. of it. Yeah, it's good. I mean, they're terrible, but you know, it's good that you know them well. Okay, great. And so, uh, you know, that was our episode. Uh, appreciate everyone joining and tuning in. Um, again, we have our Etsy store up and running. Feel free to go and buy some merch at the Five Blokes Etsy website. Um, but yeah, hopefully coming to you more frequently like we have been, trying to do an episode a week. Uh, so yeah, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace. The Five Blokes